Is Google Stadia's marketing fraudulent or just extremely deceptive? Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to discuss Google again, but this time in respect of their new video game platform, Google Stadia. Now, if you're not familiar with this project, Google Stadia is Google's attempt to get into video games by not having a console and not having a PC. They're going to do all of their rendering, all of their informational processing on the back end in their server farm. And then you essentially just sign up to a website and you can access whatever game licenses you have purchased, hopefully at very high speeds and at very high graphics levels. But unfortunately, that hasn't been the case right from the get-go. Google only launched this maybe a week ago, but the reviews out of the box have been sporadic. They've been problematic. Depending on who you're listening to, the technology may or may not be there in respect of lag and the actual performance of the video games. But one of the things that has really popped out is whether or not the actual Stadia service is performing as it was promised at what is called 4K resolution and at 60 frames per second. And a lot of people are finding, especially those that are really looking at this technologically, that that is not in fact the case. So let's take a look at the Eurogamer article that went up really overnight about this issue. Before we get into it, I do want to point out that the title of this video is about whether the marketing is fraudulent or deceptive and those kinds of things. There are a number of areas in which Google Stadia has fallen down. What I'm going to focus this conversation on is in respect of the actual performance. When you've got a game, you've got a license, you're using it through Stadia and how that actually looks to you. Because the promises here really do verge on certain levels of potentially legal problems. Uh, and that's not just to say messaging issues that Google and Stadia generally have had throughout this entire process. Please check out earlier videos I did on that for more information there. But I've got this Eurogamer article up. It says Google responds after Stadia owners accuse it of breaking promises over game performance. 4K it. Google has issued a statement after it was accused of breaking promises over the performance of Stadia games. Last week, website 9to5Google accused Google of lying about the performance of Stadia games after it emerged that key titles were not running in 4K resolution and 60 frames per second. The reality of Stadia is an issue for many owners of the streaming tech because it contradicts statements made by Google and its executives in the run-up to release. And because Google is locking up to 4K resolution behind its £899 a month Stadia Pro subscription, Eurogamer, of course, being European, in promoting Stadia, Google staff said on stage that its GPU has more power than Xbox One X and PS4 Pro combined. That's right. So the Google Stadia pitch here, you can see the picture from one of their presentations, is, hey, you've got a PS4 Pro, you've got an Xbox One X, or you know of those products on the market. This is actually significantly more powerful than those things. So one of the things that comes with that, if you're familiar with the video game sphere or just software in general, is you have this kind of working assumption in your head, and that matters when we start talking about what is misleading. You have this working assumption in your head that you say, okay, you've got these teraflops, this is what you're pitching it at, even if these games maybe aren't fully optimized for your platform, which I know doesn't sit in front of my TV, but it has to exist somewhere. It's your platform at Google headquarters. Even if it's not fully optimized, then you should be able to brute force certain performance increases, that that's what you're pitching me on. That if I spend $60 on Red Dead Redemption 2 on Stadia, I will get a better performance 
then on Xbox One X, which I also own. So if that is your pitch and you don't realize that, you suddenly have an issue. And in a tweet posted in October, Stadia chief Phil Harrison, remember that name, said all games at launch support 4K. We designed Stadia to enable 4K60 with appropriate TV and bandwidth, which is a fair cop, right? You have to have a 4K TV to get a 4K output. You have to have a good enough internet when you're talking about what Stadia is as a product to get that throughput as well. We want all games to play 4K60, but sometimes, for artistic reasons, a game is 4K30. So Stadia always streams at 4K60 via 2 times encode, which is a long way of saying what Phil basically says here is it's always 4K. Don't worry about the 4K-ness of it all. But sometimes different developers want something to be at 30 frames per second because they don't like how 60 frames per second looks for artistic reasons. I'm actually somewhat sympathetic to that position. Sometimes 60 frames per second, if the artistry isn't there or if the game isn't right, can look a little bit like a soap opera, can look a little bit like video cameras uh, versus film. And so I understand that there are artistic reasons to potentially lock something down to a lower frame rate. But ultimately, that's not what's happening here. As Eurogamer says, the Stadia version of Destiny 2, for example, renders at a native 1080p and is then upscaled to improve quality, but never reaches 4K. And Red Dead Redemption 2 also doesn't play in 4K. Renders at 1080p or 1440p, depending on whether you're using a specific data rate or your pro subscription, and is then upscaled to 4K. If you're not familiar with all this terminology, it's basically like when the Blu-ray producers were taking what amounts to VHS copies of movies, taking that data, putting it directly on a Blu-ray and telling you it was at Blu-ray resolution, that the internals of the video game aren't rendering out at what Stadia is purportedly actually pushing out to your TV. So your TV might see something that is 4K, but the actual imagery of the video game is not 4K. So the fact that your TV is showing you a 4K image doesn't do anything for the image quality. And when it is in fact below what you can get from your Xbox One X, you start to have all these questions. And that is exactly the kind of situation that we've we found ourselves in here. That Phil Harrison tweet, did get a lot of comments from the community, did get a lot of play from people that were interested in purchasing Google Stadia. This does appear to me as a lawyer, as certain confirmation of things. You'll note some of the weasel language here, and we'll get to it at the end of the video, that this is weasel language that Phil and Phil's team has used before, but that he says that all games at launch support 4K. And what does 4K mean to be supported? That there is an argument somewhere out there that says, yes, if we push a 4K image to your television, well, that's what our platform promised to do. It doesn't matter what Red Dead is actually pushing out. It doesn't matter what Destiny 2 is actually pushing out. We've met our end of the bargain, even though you have marketed this as stronger than an Xbox One X, even though you have answered this question to suggest that those games you are purchasing that you are spending $60 of your money on will actually show you a 4K image. So I got a lot of questions about this and various other aspects of Stadia from people in my feeds and in my DMs and everywhere else. And they asked me if you could sue, if you could sue Google on this. The answer to this is probably no for any number of reasons, one of which is 
the courts are pretty loath to go after studios, go after companies for relatively low expenditures, right? We've talked about this before, but ultimately most of these things are going to be at high levels of money, high levels of damage, things that hurt you personally, that could kill you. Uh, and ultimately, whether or not you're getting 1440 or 4K through your Stadia service, yeah, you might be able to bring a claim. It's probably a legitimate claim in certain aspects. But at the end of the day, lawyers cost a lot of money. You're probably not going to go forward with that. And ultimately, when you look at what language actually is in the Stadia kind of fact and other places surrounding this whole thing, you start to have bigger issues. They have a little bit more weasel language, right? You've got here, what is the quality Stadia will stream content added? And this is from the Stadia help fact. Stadia will, quote unquote, be able to stream games up to 4K. Non-subscribers can stream games up to 1080p and 60 frames per second. So that's the kind of usual language you're used to dealing with in retail where you say, hey, your discounts are up to 80% off and there's one thing that's 80% off and everything else is 10% off. However, they also even confuse the issue here in their own answer because they finish by saying, like any other internet streaming experience, higher quality connections will result in the best experience. So you start to get put in that bucket in your head if you're just a consumer that doesn't work at Google and doesn't know exactly what Stadia is going to be before I buy that founder's pack or anything else that you say, okay, of course. Yeah, it'll get up to 4K and 60 frames per second because if Comcast decides to ditch my internet connection or if I otherwise have problems, I won't be able to get that output. That makes total sense to me as a consumer that that's a disclaimer in there. If my internet isn't up to snuff, then you can't hit those numbers. It doesn't speak to those numbers not existing in the actual products that I'm buying for $60 or potentially for $10 more to get, to get a pro subscription that doesn't yield for me that 4K 60 frames per second output. Going forward with whether or not you can sue them, the answer continues to be it's going to be very difficult. We've pulled up now the Stadia terms and conditions. This actually doesn't have much language in it that is directly attributable to our question at hand because it's mostly focused on the fact that you don't purchase the actual games. You buy access to them. This access can be limited. We don't need to update it as much as you might like. All these other things that we have discussed in various corners of virtual legality when we look in general at software terms and conditions. And it's one of the reasons because even more than maybe a digital download, these games exist in the cloud and are more concerning if Google just decides to close the whole Stadia project next year, that this language is a problem for a number of people and I don't blame them for it. More to the point, this language doesn't include what I was expecting to see in the normal kind of course of terms and conditions. And why is that? It's because they lean on the Google terms of service that you actually have to incorporate by reference into this document to get to what I expected, which is a disclaimer on all warranties, right? Here's the section in the actual Google terms of service for all of their applications. It says, we don't make any commitments about the content within the services, the specific functions of the services or their reliability, availability, or ability to meet your needs. We provide the services as is. And as we've talked about in virtual legality in a software context, especially, this is a fairly normal term of phrase in these licenses. Doesn't mean that consumers shouldn't be aware that this is in fact the case. And Google needs to be aware that different jurisdictions, especially different jurisdictions in Europe and Australia and other places that we've seen these issues pop up in virtual legality time and time again, will have different feelings on whether or not you can use a piece of language like this. Some jurisdictions will say, no, you can't use that at all. 
And that's one of the reasons that Stadia is probably launching at different times and at different locales is because in order to be legally compliant, you have to allow for certain warranties and certain uh, lack of disclaimer power in these jurisdictions. And Google is going to be working on that internally with all their lawyers and all their outside counsel and everybody else to make sure that they are at least claimed to be compliant in these various jurisdictions. But that's the circumstances of the United States. This is basically going to be uh, authoritative in the United States. So Google says, we don't make any promises about anything. And if you listen to our marketing, well, then maybe that's an issue for you, but maybe not an issue for us. Now, the actual discussion doesn't end there. As I said, I named this video about whether or not it's fraudulent. If it is fraudulent, if things like Phil Harrison's tweet are fraudulent. If things like that presentation are fraudulent, it would fall under what we would call wire fraud in the United States. And you say, well, what are the wires involved? But because the United States makes laws a long time ago and we don't really update them as we should, and we just have judges and cases actually interpret old laws to mean, yes, of course, that means this for the modern era. Wire fraud, which is focused on radio and television, is actually used to include computers and the internet. So you'd have a tweet out there that says it uses 4K in response to a question that says, do these things all run at 4K? And if you are looking at what the elements of a wire fraud are, they are that the defendant, Phil Harrison, Microsoft, Google, uh, are using this as a scheme to defraud such as by obtaining money or something of value through false pretenses. So they're getting you to buy the founder's pack. They're getting you to buy the license. The defendant acted knowingly or with intent to defraud. So, hey, you know that internally you've seen Red Dead Redemption 2 running at your headquarters. You know internally it's 1440, maybe it's 1080, but you're going to tell everybody that they output at 4K. The defendant made false representations that were material to the scheme to defraud. Now, materiality here is a legal term of art. It means that it was important to the consumer's decision, right? Would the consumer have bought this if they knew it was upscaled 1080p? Would they have bought your $10 subscription service if they knew it was upscaled 1080p? If in fact, the answer to those questions is no, then it was material to the fraud. And the defendant transmitted that material misrepresentation on the internet for purposes of our discussion. Now you say, hey, Rick, that sounds like maybe there are the elements of wire fraud there. I will tell you, these are very difficult claims to make. They are very difficult claims to make in the consumer space when we are talking about relatively small amounts of money. And I know you say, hey, $60 is real money. $10 a month is real money to me. I don't, hey, absolutely it is. But when we talk about the legal system, when we talk about the justice system, just having a lawyer come in and represent you is going to eat up that almost instantaneously. And the court system, when we're talking about criminal issues like this, the United States and federal law, they're not going to be so inclined to aim at something that is small. Now, Google is in the crosshairs of a number of government agencies. You've got antitrust looking at them. You've got a whole lot of other areas looking at them. We've spent an entire week in virtual legality talking about the Federal Trade Commission dealing with YouTube. So it's possible that as a giant tech company, they could be made an example of by a a well-intentioned prosecutor. But I find it tremendously unlikely. I think what is potentially more likely than just a straight up criminal fraud claim is something along the lines of this is misleading. Now, we've pulled up our good friends at the Federal Trade Commission that we have talked about now for weeks and weeks and weeks in respect of YouTube and other issues in virtual legality. But their primary ambit is to eliminate unfair or deceptive acts or practices in or affecting commerce, which is a fancy legal way of saying they are supposed to be stopping companies from lying to you. 
and not just bald face lying to you, but saying things in specific ways that are misleading, right? So it says deceptive practices are defined in the commission's policy statement on deception, which we're going to look at in a second, as involving a material representation, omission, or practice that is likely to mislead a consumer acting reasonably in the circumstances. Now, I would argue that that is in fact happening in this case. And one of the questions there is who's the audience for this, right? And I've asked that in respect of all of Stadia's messaging because Stadia is such a confused product. But Stadia's messaging leans towards the fact that it is designed for what we might call more casual video game users. That, hey, if you are so interested in Red Dead Redemption 2, you probably had a gaming PC ready to go. You probably had an Xbox One X or a PlayStation 4 Pro or whatever it is that you might have under your TV. And all Stadia is really aimed at hitting right now are those people that aren't willing to go so far as to buy a $400 console or a more expensive gaming PC, but are interested enough in the product to spend $60 on a license. So this is a pretty kind of small window of people but it's a window of people that are likely to be less informed than those that are very, very interested in the video game space in general. So when we talk about a consumer acting reasonably in the circumstances, you have to take into account that the Stadia product is designed to essentially hit people that maybe aren't paying attention to the video game space so much. Now, I've pulled up their actual statement on deception here just to give a little bit more color. If you look at the date in this document, it absolutely does say 1983. This is how often these things get updated at various agency levels, but it's a good definition and it's a good document. You can read through it if you like. We're not going to talk about the entirety of the document. We're really only going to look at the summary here, but it's from 1983. It's quoted in the document, the website we just read as of 2019. So this is all still good as far as the Federal Trade Commission is concerned, but it says certain elements undergird all deception cases. First, there must be a representation omission or practice that is likely to mislead the consumer. You have to have that presentation that says we are twice as strong as the Xbox One. You have to have that tweet from Phil that says, absolutely, we support 4K. Sometimes we won't support 60 frames per second, but we will absolutely support 4K. Second, we need to examine the practice from the perspective of a consumer acting reasonably in the circumstances. Now, consumers can do research. To some extent, that research is their responsibility. But when you have the main heads of these companies go out there with these statements, it is reasonable for a consumer to look at those and say, okay, it's going to be 4K. I can spend my 60 bucks. I can feel comfortable with that. If the representation or practice affects or is directly pri- directed primarily to a particular group, the commission examines reasonableness from the perspective of that group. And I would argue again that that group is people that maybe aren't as invested in the video game space that are as keen on noting when Microsoft or when Sony or when Google says things that are slightly askew in order to try to make their product look better. Third, the representation omission or practice must be material. The basic question is whether the act or practice is likely to affect the consumer's conduct or decision with regard to that product or service. So again, in order to be considered misleading, it has to be a statement. It has to be directed at people. They have to make their decision based on that statement, and it has to be misleading. And in my opinion, some of these things get pretty close. Now, the thing that is primarily opposite of that is something that you might have heard in 2013, right? If you actually think about it, if you are familiar with the Xbox One launch, the original one, not the X, then you know all of this went around before. Everything has happened before will happen again, right? A little Battlestar Galactica reference. But 
ultimately you've got things like Aaron Greenberg here from Microsoft complaining about people saying that the output of their games on the Xbox One won't be 1080p, they'll be 720p. And his response is, you realize you will see every game in 1080p as your output, right? Again, completely disregarding the concept of, yeah, you can put a VHS tape on a Blu-ray. It doesn't make it high definition. And this was their response in respect to the Xbox One. And if we actually now go back and look at the statement that Google has made in respect of Stadia in response to this whole thing, we can now mirror it with what Microsoft wound up saying in respect to the Xbox One. So let's take a look at what Google has said. Stadia streams at 4K and 60 frames per second, and that includes all aspects of our graphics pipeline from game to screen. GPU, encoder, and Chromecast Ultra, all outputting at 4K to 4K TVs with the appropriate internet connection. Developers making Stadia games work hard to deliver the best streaming experience for every game. Like you see on all platforms, this includes a variety of techniques to achieve the best overall quality. We give developers the freedom of how to achieve the best image quality and frame rate on Stadia, and we are impressed with what they have been able to achieve for day one. We expect that many developers can, and in most cases will, continue to improve their games on Stadia. And because Stadia lives in our data centers, developers are able to innovate quickly while delivering even better experiences directly to you without the need for game patches or downloads. And as Eurogamer puts it here, they say what appears to have happened is a disconnect between the promise of Stadia by its marketers and the reality of its ports by its developers. Now, again, I would say that that isn't the responsibility of the consumer and that Google and Stadia have to take responsibility for, quote unquote, the promise of Stadia by its marketers. But if you look at this statement, it is absolutely amazing how much it mirrors the statement that Microsoft put out in respect of this issue with the Xbox One. The Xbox One was actually only providing games that were at 720p and then upscaling them to 1080p. They said to Extreme Tech in October of 2013, Xbox One fully supports native 1080p output at 60 frames per second. It is up to individual developers to determine what resolution best fits their design goals. At launch, Xbox One will present all titles at 1080p, whether natively or upscaled. Then they actually go on in Extreme Tech to point out that the PlayStation 3, the generation before this one, hey, they support 1080p output, but a large swath of games only are displayed in 720p. That this has all been a sleight of hand for years and years and years. Now, I said this actual point was probably opposite a claim of misconception or a claim of fraud because ultimately... Google and Stadia could point out the fact that we have litigated this in the court of public opinion. We have talked about this particular method of talking about what your platform does, and people understand now that this is what's happening. I would argue strongly that the people that Stadia is aimed at are not the people that were reading Extreme Tech in 2013, so this particular bit of deception is new to them. And I would have argued had I had virtual legality in 2013 that this is really walking a fine line in terms of deceptiveness at the Xbox and Microsoft level. And I would have argued that and I would have said, hey, you know, who is in charge of Xbox One, right? Who is in charge of that entire product? And if you don't know by now, it was Mr. Phil Harrison. 
Phil Harrison, the one who's behind the 4K tweet on Google Stadia, the one who worked on Xbox One and was behind the team that was messaging these things on Xbox One. He was also on the team that was related to Sony and PlayStation 3. Phil Harrison has a history of doing this. And perhaps, again, that speaks against deception because you should know that you're dealing with a person that makes these kinds of claims, whose teams make these kind of claims. I don't want to live in a world where, hey, if you con long enough, then you don't get to claim misconception. You don't get to claim fraud because you should know who you're dealing with. But that's the situation here. And it's no surprise to me, you can check out the videos in virtual legality before on Stadia. It's no surprise to me that Phil Harrison has had these statements, that the internals of Stadia are not meeting what everybody would have assumed they would based on their own presentations. And again, nobody forced them to make presentations that said they were twice as strong as an Xbox One X. Nobody forced them to make a tweet that said, yes, of course, everything is supported at 4K. You put it on the developers now, and to some extent, what limited support you have on Stadia is not likely to be borne by consumers who are looking at a product that isn't as strong and isn't as good as consoles that they can get relatively cheaply this Black Friday. And you put it on those developers, it's unlikely you're going to get support from a lot of developers that are seeking to adapt to your platform if you're going to throw them under the bus every single time you've made a marketing error at Google and Stadia. So I finished this video by saying, you know, from a legal perspective, I think a fraud claim is very unlikely. I think if you wanted to report them to the Federal Trade Commission, you might have some success there, but the Federal Trade Commission itself is likely to have bigger fish to fry, is going to have, you know, health issues with pharmaceuticals or things that are really, really damaging to people if they go wrong versus the difference between 1080p and 4K. But because so many people have asked this question, because I've been dealing with the Federal Trade Commission and their policies now for 10 solid days, I wanted to have this video, I wanted to discuss it with you because I do think at a fundamental level, it's unfair how they've marketed it. It's particularly unfair to people that don't pay attention to these things as much as you or I might. And I think that unfairness as a purveyor of legal justice, as someone that likes the rule of law, sticks in my craw a little bit because I want people to be able to have some measure of satisfaction with the products that they purchase. And I'm just not seeing that from Google Stadia so far. I hope that changes in the future. I certainly have my doubts. This has been Virtual Legality for today. My name is Rick Hogue. If you like this, please like, please subscribe, please check out other videos on the channel. We talk about these kinds of things all the time, or please share it around with anybody that you think might be interested. If you caught it on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you caught it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.